0: One of the questions that people ask is, how do I know if I am filled with the Spirit? Now, I don't think I'm going to get through all of this page that I've given you today. But I want to make some observations that are important. um, Because if you are mystified by what the filling of the Holy Spirit means, or if you are hungry for more of God, then the filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit is for you. The Lord says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, just as Jesus told his disciples, do not cast your pearls before swine, uh, meaning in very basic terms, don't waste your breath on people that aren't interested. Um, God is not going to reveal all that he has for you if you're not interested in receiving it. But if you are hungry and if you are thirsty and if you want to have more of God and know more of God and you search for him with all your heart, then God is pleased to bring you to a full understanding of what he wants to give you. And really the the most powerful and intimate relationship with God begins with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It begins with coming into a total surrender and absolute devotion to God, which brings the fullness. Now, the question is, however, how do I know if I am filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, A.W. Tozer said, and let me give you a rather unhelpful answer But it's true nonetheless. (laughs) Tozer said, if you don't know if you've been filled with the Spirit, you haven't been. Uh, His point was that when you are full of the Holy Spirit, you will know that He is present in power in your life. And if your spiritual life, your Christian life is kind of ho-hum... Then that is not the characteristic of the Holy Spirit. He brings a dynamic and powerful quality to life. But furthermore, the outward evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit, one of the things we need to recognize is the fullness of the Spirit is not a feeling. It has feelings. But it is not a feeling. The evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is an outward objective manifestation of his presence. In other words, not only will you know that you've been filled, but other people will know that you have been filled. Um, I want to jump down to this italicized portion about in the middle, maybe the beginning of the second half of the page, that there are three terms that are applied to our experience and relationship with the Holy Spirit. One of them is indwelling, another is baptism, and a third is filling. Remember John the Baptist said, and he, when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. The term baptism is applied to the Holy Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it says the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says to the Ephesians, um, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He's not making a commentary there on temperance. But what he's saying is that alcohol influences your behavior. It has an impact on your life. And just as alcohol influences your life, be filled with the Spirit. Let Him influence your life. Let Him take control. Let Him overwhelm you with His presence. And so the question arises, what is the distinction between indwelling, baptism, and filling, And if you're born again, are you automatically filled with the Holy Spirit? And let me say that you are automatically indwelt with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of the new birth. He is the one that causes you to be born again as He brings the Godhead into your person, and you as the living temple of God, the Shekinah glory of the presence of the Holy Spirit comes into us. The Scripture says, if we do not have the Holy Spirit, we are none of His. That He brings the Godhead with him into our lives and causes us to be born again. There are two passages that I would like to uh, make note of uh, in reference to that. One is in John chapter 20, verse 22. This is the evening of the day of resurrection when Jesus came out of the grave. He met with the disciples in the upper room. You remember the story? The, the doors and windows were closed. And Jesus appeared in their midst. And he said, look at, look at my hands, look at my side. See that I am he. I am the one who was crucified, just in case there was any doubt. And as he demonstrated uh, that he was the risen Lord whom they knew. You know, and I don't let some people say Jesus wasn't recognizable. Well, of course he was. It's just how many times have you seen a dead person come out of the grave? They weren't expecting him. And so he said to them, Here I am. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the imperative of that sentence is immediate right now this moment receive the holy spirit you've heard me teach on this before and he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit the breath of jesus christ the resurrected lord is the pneuma of God or the Ruach of the Hebrew Old Testament. It is the breath of God, and God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And so Jesus breathed upon his disciples, and they were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Why could they not be indwelt before then? Because the atonement had not been. Completed until the cross. All through the Old Testament, people looked forward to the day when the Holy Spirit would live in them. Remember David said in Psalm 51, Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Not out of me, but from me. People in the Old Testament were anointed with the Spirit but never indwelt. And the reason is because they needed to have the reality of which the sacrificial lamb pointed, the reality of the atoning death and shed blood of Jesus Christ that truly removed our sin. The writer of Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And yet, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. And so as the tabernacle, do you remember what Moses did in the Old Testament in the tabernacle? He dipped the hyssop in the blood and sprinkled all the uh, parts of the tabernacle. We had to be sprinkled with the real blood of Jesus in the heavenlies. And as we were, we were sanctified, we were set apart unto God, we were devoted to Him, and Jesus said to His disciples, receive the Holy Spirit, let Him come into you, He will indwell you, and they did. He had said to them before He was arrested, He has been with you, but He will be in you, Nonetheless, he said, at the uh, ascension, some 40 days or so later, as he rose up into the heavens, the angel came and said to the disciples, Go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, for you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, I want to ask you the question if they were indwelt and born again in the upper room, why did they need to wait for anything? Because the indwelling new birth is the beginning of our walk with Christ, but the outpouring power of the Holy Spirit bringing holiness and empowering us to accomplish the work of God That is the full baptism and blessing of the Holy Spirit. That is the thing that takes us into the rest of God. And so, ten days later, they're in the upper room, and the Scripture says the place where they were was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they set upon them uh, cloven tongues like fire. Upon their forehead and um, they began to to praise God and shout and give him glory. And they began to speak with languages they had never learned that were understood by all of the visitors to Jerusalem. And Peter stood up and (laughs) and preached with mighty power and 3000 people were converted Wouldn't you say that's a difference? That's an amazing difference. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you can't live this spiritual life unless you're filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to do this for you, in you, and through you. You can't do this on your own. And so they were empowered to preach the good news, and 3,000 souls were converted. A little later, 5,000 were converted. And so the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit are somewhat synonymous throughout the book of Acts. As we look at the differences... Perhaps baptism refers more to power and uh, and fullness refers more to holiness, but they really come together. The Holy Spirit brings holiness and power into your life when you are filled with the Spirit. And so the other passage uh, that I want to call to your attention is in Acts uh, chapter 19, um, and I'm just going to tell you that story because I don't have time to read it, but in Acts chapter 19, Jesus comes upon some disciples, followers of John, and he knows there's something different about them, they're interested in the word, they have some insight in the scripture, they're, they're kind of moving along in, uh, in growth. But there's something missing, too. And so he says to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, he wasn't talking about the indwelling. He was talking about the outpouring. Because they seemed rather ordinary. Even though they were interested in the things of God. And their response to Paul was... (laughs) We didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And so Paul explained to them the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice his first question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Do you see a distinction there? Here's new birth. Here's outpouring of the Spirit. Did you get this when you got this? Two different things. And they said no. And so he explained to them the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And then he says, Luke, writing the book of Acts, says, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? Because they were born again. They had received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The Holy Spirit had come into them. They were now invested with the pledge of God's promise that they would be fully redeemed. That's what Paul means in Ephesians 1, 13, 14 when he says, you receive the pledge of God's promise or the earnest of his salvation. Then the Scripture says they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit, were baptized in the Spirit, and in this case they spoke in tongues. Now, not every time in Acts that someone receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit do they speak in tongues. And, uh, oh my... (laughs) Are you with me? You got a a few more minutes? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because signs and wonders are not the proof of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Because guess who can duplicate signs and wonders? In fact, the scripture says, Paul says to the Corinthians... No one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus Christ is accursed. Well, what's going on there? I was very, very hungry for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my college years. And I was so hungry that I was reading everything I could get my hands on. And I had been persuaded... At that time, when I received the Holy Spirit, I would speak in tongues. And so, one day, I was praying and asking God to fill me and baptize me in the Spirit, and I began to speak in tongues. And I thought, wow, I got it, I got the blessing. Well, rather strange thing occurred. Along with that, in my devotions, came some very bizarre things. Things started moving around in the house when I was praying. Fear would come over me when I was praying. And I thought, this doesn't seem like God. And so I went to a couple professors of mine and I said, I I need you to test this spirit I've got of tongues because... Something's wrong here. And they uh, did the scriptural test in prayer. Are you confessing Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Is he your Lord and Master? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? And, and I began speaking in this tongue And finally, Dr. Sproul stopped and he pointed his finger at me, but he wasn't talking to me. He said, I command the spirit that is inspiring this tongue to tell me in English what you're saying. Interpret it. And what came out of my mouth without thought was, I hate you, Jesus. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Well, needless to say, that spirit was not of God. Have I taken some of you too far? Are you falling off the cliff now? (laughs) You're going over the edge. And so I repented of looking for signs and wonders instead of intimacy with God. And I came back to a pursuit of the presence of God in my life. I won't tell you that a few months down the road, oh I will tell you because I'm about to tell you, but a few months down the road, um, I was having my devotions and I began to pray in tongues and I thought, oh no. So I went to my pastor at the time and I said, would you help me with this? And we prayed together. And what the Lord revealed was, I don't want you to be afraid of what I do. So don't be afraid of this. And as soon as I came to peace with that, it went away, and I I haven't since, and that's been almost 40 years. In fact, it's been over 40 years. So you can make of that whatever you want to make of it. Um, But what I'm trying to put across is this. Signs and wonders can be duplicated by the enemy. Do you know who one of the most charismatic preachers of the 1930s and 40s was? Adolf Hitler. He was a powerful, charismatic speaker. He mesmerized Germany and drew them to his ideology because he had a gift. But it wasn't from God. In fact, he did his best to annihilate God's people. So what are the signs of the Holy Spirit that the devil cannot duplicate? Well, they're in Galatians 5.22. <clears throat> I'm kind of saving these for, for Michael for future opportunities. To speak on each one of them, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. This is the evidence that you have been filled with the Spirit, and it's not an internal feeling, it's an external behavior. Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you good? Are you gentle? Do you have and manifest peace? Are you filled with joy? Do you love other people? Do you love them and put them above yourself? Are you faithful and committed and keep your word? Do you have self-control? This is the proof that you've been filled with the Spirit. Not tongues and interpretation of tongues. Not words of knowledge and, and wisdom and discerning of spirits, not teaching and prophecy. All of those things the Holy Spirit does, but the proof that he's in charge are these nine fruit that, notice they grow in the same tree, so I changed the, the uh, singular, the plural to singular. These nine fruit <laughs> that grow in your life, when the Holy Spirit is in charge. Well, there's a lot more that could be said. There's a lot of notes. You can study that this week. I'll come back to this next week, and I'll dive into the second question. But uh, essentially, um, we you've got plenty to think about, don't you? Um, As you go today, let me ask you, Do you hunger for God? Do you search for Him with all your heart? Are you yearning for the fullness of His presence? Do you long to be filled with His Spirit? I've been on a long journey. It started back almost um, 50 years ago. When I was about 17, and I've been on a long journey, I've been a lot of places. I've been in storefront churches and all kinds of different uh, congregations, and I've seen all kinds of things, and not all of them are have been of God, and as I have learned, God has taught me a lot of things. But I want you to know this morning that the Holy Spirit is available to whoever wants to be filled with his presence. And when he fills you, you will manifest these fruits. That's what will be evident in your life. Signs and wonders accompany those who believe. Yes, they do. But fruit is the proof that you have been transformed. And if you're struggling with that, you're simply proving the point that you can be a Christian who is indwelt by the Spirit of God and born again and not fully filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're just proving it. And my encouragement is seek the Lord with all your heart. Until you have all that he wants to give you. Father thank you for your love for us and your word to us. In Jesus name. Amen.